Hey, thanks, team. You do guys do a great job. I just love the bit in that song where Joel's on the guitar, and you know, whatever it is. I don't. Yeah, no. Who's going away for Christmas? Anybody going away for Christmas? Is all here for Christmas? That's great. Don't forget Christmas is Sunday this year. So uh, we'll be here on Sunday. It's just a little bit earlier, half past eight service as we normally have on a Christmas day. So be aware of that. I want to turn your attention to Matthew uh, chapter 2. I want to read a little portion of the Christmas story. I suppose we call it the Christmas story, but really it's Jesus' story. It's not our story. Um, And I want to read just the first two verses and then we'll skip to verse 7 and read to verse 11. Uh, uh, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and they came to worship him. Let's go to verse 7. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, And said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Sure. And when they they heard the king, they departed and beheld the star which had been in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they'd come into the house... Notice it's not a stable anymore, so I imagine Jesus and Mary and Joseph finally found some place to stay. They saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Has it ever been seemed strange to you that um, a child would be given such gifts? Uh, you probably contemplated that thought. Um, because, you know, if it was you and me... Uh, giving a gift to a child, we'd probably give, um, you know, some kind of little outfit or maybe a rattle or a teddy bear. I don't know what it is, what we, you know, we give gifts these days. In actual fact, we usually give pretty practical gifts. It's a hundred disposable nappies, um, things like that, you know. Um, certainly, the wise men didn't do that. They brought quite unique gifts and quite interesting gifts and gifts that were a little bit out of the, you know, because Jesus, as a baby, We kind of think of gifts for the baby themselves, uh, but obviously there was something more happening here in this passage of Scripture, in this story, for these men to come. And in actual fact, uh, sometimes we think, we we assume too much in Scripture, you know, that you need to read the Bible. Would you agree? Because sometimes we assume there was three wise men. You know why we assume that? Because there was three types of gifts. Do you know it could have been anywhere up to ten wise men? It certainly was more than one, so it could have been anywhere from 2 to 10. It could have been 2 to 20. I don't know, but we just know that the type of gifts that were given were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Sometimes we assume there was three because there was only three gifts types mentioned. Isn't that true? So that's a a side point. But the reality is these these men were not some kind of self-professed prophets. They were astute men from the nation of Persia. They probably worked for the government of Persia. They were wise men. 
And, and they weren't just fly by night, and they traveled quite a distance to get to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph that particular night. And so it wasn't like just something they just thought up, oh, let's do something on a Saturday afternoon. Let's go for a trot on our camels over to Bethlehem. You know, it was something that they predetermined and they felt strongly about. And they knew about, obviously, they worshiped the Lord, the God of, one true God of heaven and earth. And so they come bearing these gifts. And these gifts were, were really just gifts that were reserved for royalty. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They weren't gifts that you just common gifts you give to anybody, certainly not the babies. Uh, and so there's just something a little deeper than just uh, than going on here that I just wanted to explore for a moment this morning because I think it's incredibly significant what happened when the birth of Jesus unfolded and these men came with such prominent, prominent men, prominent gifts uh, to this, into this whole situation of Jesus' birth. Um, you know, if we were to look at the gifts themselves, if we were to look at just the word, the, the gift of gold, now that's a great gift. I've never received that under the Christmas tree. Gold is around about $1,160 an ounce. That'd be a great gift, just one ounce, wouldn't that be? That'd be a great gift, wouldn't it? I don't know what the price of gold was in those days, but it was precious. And it was worth a bit, and so they came bearing gifts of gold. And you know, when you look at gold, gold was only ever given to kings. Gold was always reserved for kingly authority. And, 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 and the truth is, the Bible claims that Jesus was the king of kings. Some of us are not quite sure what that really means. But the reality is, and we'll talk about that, and, and at his death, they even placed an inscription above his cross where he hung there and died. And he, says, uh, he said he was the king of the Jews. So Jesus, as they gave this goal, there was something being said here that was pretty powerful. And that was that Jesus was a king. But more than that, he had incredible authority and power. And yet... In many ways, we didn't see that authority and power displayed as maybe we would see an earthly king display it. Because Jesus it was quite different, wasn't it? Um, we see in giving gold to Jesus, they were stating something, the reality was, they were stating something of his future, of his future position, of his future um, position and, and purpose. And, and his kingdom, of course, was not a physical one, was it? But it involved the hearts of men and women, children, young people like you and me. His kingdom was never going to be. Jesus never took up a throne. He never lived in a palace. He didn't have to. Um, the truth is, the disciples often, some of the disciples and the followers of Jesus, actually thought that Jesus, being a man of authority and having this kingly kingship about him, he was actually going to take up an earthly throne and overcome the tyranny of the Roman Empire and the Jews were going to rule and the Romans would be subject to them and that never happened, did it? Never happened. And yet, even though the Roman Empire was so strong and so, so powerful in those days, Jesus set up a kingdom because Jesus' kingdom is still here and the Roman Empire isn't. Jesus' kingdom, see, it, it, it wasn't a place, and we're very aware of that this morning, but it was more than that. And if I was to illustrate it in today's terms, there was a gentleman called uh, um, uh, uh, Assadim bin Laden. Remember that guy? He died in a, a battle with the American army one night when they tried to capture him, and he was shot dead. But, of course, he was the ruler, he was the leader of 
of a certain belief system. In his kingdom, he didn't have a palace, so he didn't have a throne, but he had a, a lot of followers, and they were so determined to follow through with what he believed in and what he shared. And the belief system for them was in their hearts, and it wasn't anything on this earth. It was a, such a belief system that people would strap bombs to their body and walk into crowded areas and blow themselves and others up. And now, I mean, they were willing to die for their belief. That's a belief system, isn't it? That's a powerful, destructive belief system, not a good one. But you know what? Jesus' Jesus's kingdom is exactly like that because you're here this morning because you believe. And the kingdom of God is in your heart. And, and that's, a, that's an incredible kingdom. In actual fact, out of the seven point whatever billion people in the earth, there's just over two, million, uh, two billion people that confess Christ as Lord. That's a pretty strong big kingdom, isn't it? And so we see that the kingdom of God is, is very much, uh, uh, it, it's, it's not a place, it's a belief. It's a heart cry. It, it, it's an amazing thing. The Bible says about Jesus' kingdom, the Bible says this um, in Romans 14, 7, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost and Spirit. Now, is there anything wrong with eating and drinking? No. Well, and when I say drinking, I'm not necessarily talking alcohol or anything, but I'm just saying, you know, um, the reality is it's not, a, it's, 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 it's not something that meets our felt needs or our hunger or our thirst. The kingdom of God, you know, physically speaking, but the kingdom of God does something far greater. It, it, it quenches the thirst we have to know uh, spiritual things and to know truth and to live in joy. And it says it's, it's joy. You know, it, it, this kingdom is a joy that isn't kind of just, just a simple come and go happiness. It's a true joy. And this kingdom of God is peace. And people look for peace today, don't they? Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking for real peace and contentment. And I want to find, tell you, today you won't find it anywhere else, but a God can only give that. It's not a peace. It's not a peace that's here today and gone tomorrow. He can provide a peace in the midst of a storm. He can provide a, a peace when you have no understanding of what's happening and unfolding. That, that's a kind of peace that's really incredible. And then it says it's righteousness, it's right living. It's, that's God's kingdom. It's living, for, living right before him, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you believe in the principles and the truths of this kingdom that Jesus has set up in our hearts. So it's not a fake thing. It's a real thing. And, it says, and that says a lot to us about what's really important in life, doesn't it? That this kingdom is not physical this morning. You know, it's not about our material wealth. It's about our emotional health. This is his kingdom. The Bible actually says something else about this kingdom. It says um, in Matthew 13, it says, In the, the kingdom of heaven or the, is like treasure. It's like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What's it saying about Jesus' kingdom? What's it saying about his rulership? Um, well, if you live long enough in this world and you see, you, to see the cherished things that are really important in life, um, and, and, and you'll see that the accumulating of things doesn't really cut it, but you, the reality is, is that the real treasure, you, when you find this treasure, real peace and real joy and real happiness and real future in God. You're so excited when you find this that you go, and, you, you go and sell everything else you have, you put everything else aside, and you buy this one thing because it's worth it. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And many of us have, of us have done that. So this morning you're here 
you know, maybe you could be other places. Maybe you could be whatever, um, you know, playing some sport or doing some. But you're here this morning because you so believe it's worth being in a place because this kingdom is worth giving everything else up even to have that. And that very much kind of gives us a picture of what the Christian faith is. Dying to self, putting him first. And you know what Jesus says? He says, if you, if you die yourself, you'll gain life. You'll gain life in him. And this is what his kingdom's about. Um, when you find something, you're glad to give everything else up to put it first. Jesus' kingdom is all about that. It's, it's, not, it's not what's out here, it's what's in here, isn't it? The kingdom of God. So those wise men, when they brought gold to Jesus that, that night, and to Mary and Joseph were there, and they were saying something much more than just, I'm just bringing a little gift. They were declaring something about the very future of Jesus Christ. And, the very, and I'm glad that they did, because we're here this morning because of that Jesus' kingdom has been established and is continuing to be established. What an incredible, you are part of a massive kingdom of God, and he's our king. And you know, of course, when he died, he went and sat with his heavenly father in heaven, and he, he rules and reigns. And you may think that this world is in a mess and that it couldn't get much worse. And you may think, what's happening? And you might be, I tell you, we don't have to be fearful of this world because we have a heavenly father who has, who's quite aware of what's happening on the face of this earth because he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And I'm glad about that. And so through the goal that was given, there was a declaration being made about the very existence of his kingdom, and we're a part of that. What about frankincense? What, what about that unusual, you know, unname, you know? What is that stuff? Well, if we would give it a practical definition, it's a pale yellow translucent or transparent kind of a resin, which when burned, creates incredible favorings, and it just wafts into the air. If you've ever... I don't know where you can buy the stuff. I don't know if you can buy it in Glaston, but if you take it and sometimes you burn incense, and you know, you, you, I go into some of your houses and you're burning a nice candle of incense and it's a fragrant smell. Well, I don't know if that was frankincense, but this frankincense apparently, when burned, is just a fragrant. And you know what it represented? It represented prayer, but more importantly, it represented to the Jewish people a relationship with God. So whenever they burnt the frankincense, it was it reminded them their relationship with God because the smoke would go heavenward, and that's where they thought that's where God was. He was up. And so it represented prayer and relationship with the Heavenly Father whenever frankincense. And these, these wise men bring this frankincense to Jesus. And you know what they were, really, they were really declaring? They were declaring that the very relationship between us and our Heavenly Father was going to be bridged by this little baby who was going to grow, grow into a man and die for us. And his name was Jesus. And he was going to establish relationship with us between us and God. And you know, relationship is so vitally important. Do you know what's built into your DNA? That uh, it's to have a friendship and relationship with other people. We all long for it. God created us for a relationship. Aren't you glad? If you want to, if you want to truly destroy someone's personality and, and destroy a person, put them in solitary confinement for a year. Never able to talk to anybody or anything else. They say it is so destructive. So destructive to a person's mental health. But because we've been created for relationship, haven't we? Relationship is vital. 
And when we find there was a broken relationship and there's unhealthy relationships, we find strife and we find hurt and ultimately we find people fighting each other and wars break out and all types of things happen. And without relationship and without healthy relationship, we can be prone to depression and major emotional issues. God created us because he was just mimicking what he had in heaven between himself, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. He said, I want to give them relationship. And, and that's why we long to have friends and we long to marry and, uh, and find a friend. and things. They're all good things. Relationships are vital. You know, there's the great story. You might remember this story, but there was a, after World War II, they found they collected all the orphans in London who'd been, parents who'd been killed by the terrible bombing of London. They collected a hundred of these little babies, no parents, and they put them in a long dormitory style in their little cribs. And the shortage of people didn't help all nurses, and they only had two nurses to look after a hundred little babies all this time. And these nurses were just flat out. They were, they, all they could do was just keep up the food to these hundred babies. And they never had time to spend time with them. And they found after several months that these babies, their health had suffered. They weren't speaking when they should speak. They weren't walking in the age they should walk. That They were more susceptible to sickness and all those type of things. And so they picked up on this after a couple of months. And then they got these hundred women to come in every day and just sit with these children a couple hours each day and cuddle them and feed them and spend time with them and doing what babies need, relationship and communication and touch. And within weeks, folks, they found less health problems. Babies started to, started to walk and babies started to talk as they should talk. And there was, their health came back to them. And, you know, what does that say about relationship? It says it's powerful. But you know what? We sometimes, we can be orphans because we never engage in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because, you know, it, with each other, we need the horizontal relationship. But you know what? We need that vertical relationship between us and God. And, 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 and we, sometimes we just live our life out. and We never realize the potential, the fulfillment of an incredible relationship we can have with God. You know, God will speak to your heart all the time if you're just willing to listen. Some of us say, where's God? And it's usually we say that when we've never spent time with Him. We've never given Him the time of day. And we're in a desperate situation. And God is so gracious and he's there for us all the time. So frankincense, it, it, it reminded the Jewish people of the relationship they needed to have with their, their God. And, and it says a lot about what's important in life. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God. But I've discovered until I really love God, I, I, I don't really fulfill loving others. I find that I love other people so much better when I'm just loving God first. I find that I actually even love my wife a lot better when I love God first. And she actually loves me better when I love God first. There's a hint for how to have a, have a healthy marriage. In actual fact, I even have better friendships with people when I put God first and love Him. I even find that when I love God first, I'm a lot more gracious and less judgmental when I put God first. I've even discovered when I'm actually loving God first, I'm able to forgive others a lot easier. It's amazing what God can do in your life and do for you in your relationship with others. Some people say to me, I just haven't got any friends. Maybe because you're not very friendly. Hint, hint. You know, and maybe it's, it needs to start with just saying, God, just, I just need the relationship with you. See, when Jesus was given that frankincense, it was, a, it was an incredible declaration 
Because Christianity is foremost about relationship rather than rules. Christianity is about a person rather than a philosophy. It's about you and me and God. It's, it's about our heart even more than what we do. Some people say, well, I serve God. That's fantastic. Serve him. We need everybody to serve our Heavenly Father. But you know what? If you're a human, you're a human being and not a human doing. And so being is being with him before you ever do. Isn't that so important? And, and we serve him out of a relationship, not because we have to. He's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He's a heavenly father. Come on. And that's why Jesus came to make a relationship with, uh, possible with our God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So important, isn't it? So important. What about this last, um, last gift that was given? We've got gold. We've got frankincense and we've got myrrh. Myrrh. My goodness, what is myrrh? <laughs> um, it, it's a gum. It's a gum extracted from a certain tree grown in the Middle East. And it's very, it is fragrant as well. And you know what they use myrrh for? Embalming bodies in those days. I don't know if they still do, but that's what they used to do for. And myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of um, dead people in those days. And Jesus was embalmed with myrrh. And if there was one thing that was being declared when the wise men brought this myrrh to, to Jesus, that fateful night, that incredible night, there was one thing, not just that night, it must have been some weeks afterwards they came. They were, they were saying that this is the man that was born to live but also born to die. Now, Mary and Joseph, they probably didn't quite understand it. They, they knew the tradition of myrrh being used for embalming, and they're thinking, oh, well, it's a bit like, you know, being given, you know, at, at Christmas time, being given, uh, I don't know, maybe electric chair for your birthday or something, you know. <laughs> hint, hint, this is your future. I don't know if Mary and Joseph really thought that, but I just, you know, it, it was kind of like, wow, myrrh? We that's for dead people. And you can imagine the wise men, probably in their hearts, they prophetically knew that the future of this Jesus was destined to save humanity through his death. And we sit here today because of it. Um, because in Mark chapter 10, 45, for even, that should be an F in front of all, for even... The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Come on, a what? A ransom for many. To give his life a ransom for many. There's a few of us here today, but you know, there's many of us around this world. And if you were to take the word for, and forgive me for my typo error, but the word should be for right at the start there. If you replace that word with the words instead of... So Jesus did not die just for us, but instead of us. He died instead of us. And the word ransom comes from the slave markets of the day. Okay. And so often, every now and then, a person in those days of, of Jerusalem, a person might buy a slave and set him free. But before he could do that, he had to pay the ransom price. He had to pay the ransom price, whatever that may have been for a slave. And we see that Jesus did exactly that. He died. He paid the ransom price to set us 
free. You might say, well, I'm not in jail. What am I free from? I want to tell you what you can be free from. Because we all had different needs. He can be, set us free from guilt. He can set us free from addictions. He can set us free from fear. He can set us free from worry. He can set us free from unforgiveness. Should I go on? I mean, the list is numerous. I, mean, I think I've faced all those. I've been there. And he, he set me free and he continues to set me free as long as I stay close to him. He continues to do work in my life. You know, we're not perfect, but we are forgiven. Hallelujah. And that's not a cop-out saying, oh, well, let's just live a, you know, mediocre life and have a bit of sin on the side and it'll be right. No, no, no. I, I, I just know that, I, that as good as I try to be with my God, I still fail, but I'm just glad we have a gracious God and I can come to him and, and know his forgiveness and his mercy. And it's all because he knew, I think Jesus knew, that he was born to die. He was born to pay the price. And he was born so that we may live. Myrrh, what an incredible thing was given. Freedom, he wants to give us free. Free to love, free to change, free to know God. And so we see that those gifts presented on that, that, that particular day when they presented them, there was something, they weren't prophets in that sense, but there was a prophetic message. There was something being declared. That we now in hindsight can look at scripture and say, man, that's what was happening. Gold. Jesus was the king of all kings. Frankincense. It was bringing relationship between us and God through Jesus. Myrrh. He, he, was, he was going born to die so that we might have relationship with God. We might be forgiven for our sin. What an incredible, incredible thing. Jesus Never tried to pretend. He always was so genuine and so real. And you know, as we come around Christmas this year again, may, you know, why do we just need a Christmas to remember Jesus? I think we need, every, Christmas can be every day in some senses. It's just that we have these traditions of gift giving, don't we? We have these traditions of family times and, and, and so we should. They're great times. But may Christmas not just be this, you, you know what I mean, not just the material thing, but to continually be the importance of it, the preciousness of it, the reality of it. The reality is Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December, but there's a day, so let's just remember. We've got to pick one day, haven't we? So let's do it. But let's do it with a heart and a passion that says, Jesus, thank you. And you know what? It'd be great to meet those wise men, whether there was three or there was ten or whatever one day, I don't know, maybe in heaven and if we get the chance. And just to say, were you really thinking that? Were you really, was that what was behind all those gifts? Because if it was, it made for a great Sunday message that I preached. <laughs> and if it wasn't, yeah. But I thought, it's, I think it's pretty true. Today, where do we stand with our Heavenly Father? We, do we leave Him outside the door? Because He always knocks on the door of our heart and continually draws us to Himself. And You know, my prayer is this Christmas, we don't leave Him outside, but we let Him enter in. You know, last Christmas, I had all my family. I was on the Gold Coast, and there's about 35 of us, and we had a great time. And, and I was so compelled, felt so compelled, and I don't know if I did it right, or I did it the right, you know, the best, but so compelled about my relationship with Jesus that I just wanted to pray 
with my family. Susie and Pete were there, my sister and brother-in-law. And, and so we just paused for a moment and I prayed. I suppose I, I, kind, of, we kind, of, I kind of prayed under the shadow of grace. You know, grace is acceptable with non-Christian people, isn't it? Kind of. But I just prayed and it just so much I just want to see family come to Jesus and just experience the joy and the peace and get rid of the sometimes the materialistic world that we can all live in. And I pray that'll be your prayer, that your heart will be towards Jesus. And for those family members that you may spend time with that don't know Jesus, why don't you just be Jesus to them this Christmas and serve them and love them and say, Can I pray? And even though it may be grace, pray for them in the middle of grace. Your grace prayer. Can we just stand today? He's given us such an incredible gift of his life. I mean, he was given gifts, but his life is a gift to us. His life just meant so much. So, Father, today we pray. We pray that your will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us where we fail. We need your strength, Lord. We need your forgiveness. We thank you that you paid the ransom. My goodness, I stand free and forgiven this morning because of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you came and you knew that your destiny was to pay for that ransom and to die a cruel death. We thank you for that this morning because we live because of your death. We thank you that you rose again victorious to take up your very much your position and authority in heaven so that we can continue your kingdom here on earth. And so this morning, we pray for those loved ones that we'll even spend time with this Christmas, that your Father, help us to be your light and your love to them and your answer. And we pray for their salvation to receive it, Lord. And we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Father, we stop and pause just for a moment. I know Christmas is three weekends away, but Father, well before then, we just say thank you for all that happened and all that you've given us. Amen? Come on, let's just worship just one more time this morning. And please, if you could stay for morning tea, we'd love to host you this morning. That'd be great.